1: This is Larry H. Russell, host of Celtics Beat and author of Ball of the Boston Celtics. Thank you yet again for downloading the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise, Celtics Beat. CLNS Radio truly values your patronage. Because of your loyalty to making Celtics Beat the most downloaded weekly Celtics podcast online, we would love to offer a free copy of my critically acclaimed book available at clnsradio.com slash book. That's clnsradio.com slash book. Happy reading, and enjoy today's broadcast. Today is Sunday, June 12th, 2016. This is Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio, and I'm Larry H. Russell. Last week, I promised today's show would be a Boston Celtics trade primer, uh, guess what? I lied. In the words of Bill Parcells, I reserve the right to change my mind. And I changed my mind. Or my mind was changed because I was forced to change my mind. Jared Dudley, veteran NBA forward, former BC Eagle, spent this past season with the Washington Wizards. He was discussed on this broadcast with Sean Devaney last week. What I thought was a sufficient salary for his services as a potential member of the Boston Celtics next year. Jared's gone on a bit of a media tour this past week. Wasn't too keen to the remarks here in this space seven days ago. So we'll give Jared the mic. He is today's featured guest to give us his thoughts on that and a whole lot more coming up on episode number 161 of Celtics Beat, which this week is being presented by Blue Apron and American Farmers Network.com. American Farmers Network.com forward slash specials. Great selection of some incredible deals on certified organic grass-fed steaks. Great Father's Day gifts. And gifts for you, in my eyes. Grass-fed organic steak. One of the keys to your fat loss and personal health goals. And also, remember our contest with Blue Apron. Subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes to win $800 worth of Blue Apron meals. Four consecutive weeks of Blue Apron deliveries. Win free food. Enter the contest by, again, subscribing, rating, and writing a review. For this podcast on iTunes, just takes 20 seconds, people. Subscribe, rate, and review Celtics Beat on iTunes. And, of course, give us a big hand and support Blue Apron and this show by going to blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat. Your first order with Blue Apron nets you two free meals with free shipping by going to, again, blueapron.com slash Celtics Beat. Would be very grateful if you want to do that right now or wait. Sort of like what our featured guest he's patiently Been waiting on the other end. Why is he here today and not the trade primer again? Last week, we did a free agency primer, and the plan was this week to do a little trade market preview, run through the names and possibilities, followed by our draft preview next week as we get ready for a highly anticipated Celtics offseason, which is motoring along as is. The draft's coming up June 23rd. But last week on this broadcast we mentioned a name during our free agency preview show a name who i wanted to see the celtics pursue and hopefully acquire and this man just so happened to be listening in himself heard his name mentioned and then how he was discussed this is from episode number 160 with guest sean devaney take a listen I actually threw Jared Dudley's name as my three, and it's like, well, that isn't really much, especially at this point of his career. He is, I want to say, I always use golf analogies of being on the back nine and everything. I want to say Jared Dudley is hitting his T ball on 17 at this point of his <laughs> career. Uh, but I still think that this team, the Celtics team, actually needs some veteran leadership. So that's why I have Jared Dudley up there. You no, know, he's not going to get big money, but, you know, five million bucks, six million bucks, of course, as we know, not much money. So here we are, Jared Dudley, veteran NBA swingman, most recently of the Washington Wizards. Jared, you're here. Let it fly, man, because I know your thoughts can't be summed up appropriately enough in 140 characters or less under at Jared Dudley 619. Take it away. You're now off mute, man. (laughs) You
0: know what? Um, To be honest with you, when you listen to people, a lot of these sports writers like yourself are pretty accurate. Uh, I think I would be a good fit for Boston. Since they need shooting, you you can never have too much veteran leadership. Uh, They're a team that's obviously led by Brad Stevens, who's a great coach, and they've done well. But the key to a young team is to developing that young talent. They'll probably have a number three pick here in the draft. And you can never have people that know how to play the right way, know their role. When it comes to the dollar amount, I like to joke around with people. But the the reason why I was messing around with that $5 million is – Basically, the cap's going up crazy this this couple of years, and there is value when you come. You look at people that, for one, shoot over 40% from three. Some do it for one season. Some, myself, I'm a career 40% three point shooter. And then it goes by your value to a team, leadership, and helping develop young players is value. And, and when it comes to a locker room, that you can't put a really a, a dollar price on. That's why you see people like Elton Brand, Jawan Howard, these guys come back to help these playoff teams where these teams have struggled before. I was in Milwaukee. They were the worst team in the NBA. Me and Zaza helped with that leadership. In one year, they, I think, increased their win total by 20 wins, went to the playoffs. They signed Greg Monroe, Max contract. They didn't make the playoffs. A lot of it had to do with veteran leadership. So that's why I like to joke around. That's why I'm glad to come on the show.
1: I mean, I discussed that a lot in our free agency show last week, and it's really tough to really put a measurement on veteran leadership, a veteran presence, because everything now is everything so analytical, which I know you've really been in. You were one of the original guys in the NBA that really got jumping into this. I think I heard a story that you knew your PER, or you were one of the first guys that started throwing around PER. But how do you sort of pitch, and if you're in negotiations with your agent, how do you sort of pitch um, something that really isn't as concrete as the intangibles in the locker room and on the court towards team executives in negotiations that is just done through relationship alone?
0: Yeah, I think, for one, your repetition goes a long way. I think me playing in Milwaukee where a lot of players would dread going um, – to have a role player that embraces going to any situation, being professional, to not only being professional, but then helping out young guys. I started at the two-guard position the beginning of the year. I went in and spoke to Jay Kidd and told him he needs to start Giannis. I don't know too many veterans that are doing that. He's the future. I know I'm not the future. I know I'm... Uh, i better serving that team off the bench or starting maybe at the power 4, But Giannis, for this team to make that leap, I knew he needed to start. So doing stuff like that, or then staying on him after in practice. You know, the kid, the kid was only 19 years old, so I, that, it's hard to put a dollar, a dollar amount on it. So some people do value it. So on a teams that are have a young team, Philadelphia, Utah, they need to find Lakers. They need to find good veterans to help out these young guys that will do more than their salary because you can't put a dollar price on So when it comes to PER and that, then you get where now small ball is at a premium. Myself, people say, hey, you know what, Jared might be on the back, you know, back 18, you know, the back nine of his career. Yes, that's true, and I'm not going to play 20 years, but, I mean, I shot the ball better this year than I did in my last two seasons. So that has to do with a little bit playing the power four position, could play the small four position, could space it out, knows how to play the right way. So, yes, it's hard to put a dollar amount. That's where your agent comes in. But for someone just to think that, oh, he's just this, it's that, and they don't see the other parameters, these top GMs and scouts and presidents do.
1: They do. And I mean, I think even the most uh, ardent observers do. I think sometimes when you have sort of discussions with your peers, especially of how concrete the NBA has gotten, it's I mean, I don't want to say it's quite like baseball because baseball is such an individual game. But there are some I mean, I don't want to say close minded people that will just say, ah, you know what? I mean, don't give me that intangible nonsense. That's the whole Derek Jeter, uh, you know, BS, uh, for lack of a better phrase. And they want just sort of concrete examples. But I mean, there's just so many cases and points in the history of the NBA. We could be on here forever of teams growing uh, because they added certain veteran pieces and you talk to those championship teams over the years and they would always sort of reference adding a player like the Houston Rockets with with Mar or actually really the Shaq and Kobe Lakers when they filled out their roster with Rick Fox. Uh, Robert Ory, and that took over the course over the course of a few years getting Derek Fisher and Brian Shaw was, was a big guy for them that 's sort of the examples that you could use and you can always talk to those type uh, those teams you could talk to the star players on that team, and they always sort of reference that great teams need those players and younger teams need those players for them to grow. But I want to ask you more, keep, keep it personal with you, and then we're going to keep shifting along here. I, I want to get into myself because there are some things I do want to talk about with the new cap, but you've always been such a straight shooter, and it's why the media loves you. You're, ve- you're very open, the way you talk analytics with them, how you speak sort of with them, have conversations. So I actually feel comfortable asking you this, Jared. You're out there going to be a free agent uh, starting in July. What are some of the aspects that you value most when you choose your destination? I mean, if you put it in a pie, is it a winning situation, starting somewhere? Uh, go ahead.
0: I, I would say this every uh, 90% of the league is going to go with the highest bidder the, pe- the 10% that doesn't go with the highest bidder are the max guys that can get max anywhere they want so when it comes to role players myself first now if the money is the same or very comparable uh, 500000 600000 you know that's when you go by the situation where hey uh, which coach fits your style, organization, the stability, um, how they view you, and you go by talks. Where it's like, you know, it's a car salesman. Where where if everything's the exact same, some people look at the state tax when it comes to Houston or Texas, and then it looks this. The Boston, the reason why it's so attractive for role players, maybe not the key stars, is. The stability. Danny Ainge has been there. We know how he. We know how he can change a program in the instance of trades. He knows how to draft, and they have probably the best upcoming coach in the NBA, Brad Stevens. When it comes to knowing personnel, he plays all ten guys. He keeps everyone engaged. Jericho went from not playing to being a huge contributor in the playoffs. That is a huge factor for world players because he gives you an opportunity. A lot of teams don't. Don't. So when it comes to me personally. Yes, the money's. I would like to. It's not. It's not one of the main factors, if not the main factor. But then after that, it's where do I fit in best? Um, I can play in any city. I've been in Milwaukee. I've been in L.A. So the city doesn't matter to me. To me, it's either opportunity to play. Doesn't have to be starting because I, I, I started. I started half the games this year. I'm probably more suitable, better on a bench on a good team. But um, it, it definitely weighs on the stability of an organization.
1: I did bring up the money last week with you, and that's sort of what he took offense to with me, a little bit lightheartedly uh, with that tweet, and I, I appreciate <laughs> I appreciate the engagement. I really do, Jared. But how much is sort of money? I think it's okay that a player wants millions and millions of more dollars. I Every single day, there's nothing that drives me crazier than in the business that I'm in that somebody feels that I'm less suited to do something, and thus likely. I mean, they can say all you want, but at the end of the day, dollars talk. Likewise, that's the case, sort of, with you. I mean, if some team, sort of, God forbid, offered you that one-year, five-million-dollar deal, is it truly a sort of a thanks but no thanks with the new salary cap?
0: You, uh, I, I never felt disrespected any offer. So it, me, being feeling just dis- because you know what, make the offer
1: to me. <laughs>
0: yeah, the reason why I say this, the reason why it's not disrespectful, because at least they want you. At least they're putting it out there. To me, it's more disrespect when they don't offer you at all. Oh, I don't want. You, I do not want you a part of the team. So for me, no. I, I never thought it was disrespect. We want you, but hey, this is our cap situation. This is what we value. I don't. That's not really a, a disrespectful to me. So my whole thing to you is this: you, you are what you're worth. What, what someone offers you, that's what it is. I remember uh, I, back in the day when I did my first deal, I signed for five years, twenty-three. And looking back on it, if you look at overall the production, you look at different stuff, and, and what other players got, I probably got a little bit less a little bit less than, than I probably deserve. But at the same time is, I went for stability, could have been hurt on a contract year, I did the extension, and I wanted to have to be able to, you know what, I financially can support myself and my family for the rest of my life, so I took that stability instead of risking to be able to get more. So for me, in the situation I'm in now, I'm, I'm restricted, there's no there's no, nothing I need to do early. I mean, there's no, I, mean, I got to be healthy for the next month or so until you, you sign. So for me, it's it's, you know, I, I don't feel disrespect. You, you go with the factors of best situation, stability, money, and then at family. It all comes together, and you make the best decision at the end of the day.
1: Okay, so I want to pivot to this because this is really how it all started up. I, I even I have to admit I'm struggling with a new salary cap, finding the way to appropriately gauge what a player's worth, and that's why when I you know sort of casually mentioned it last week with Sean Devaney, yeah, like one year, five million dollars, that should be good enough. But I mean. I just, hey, I'll I'll say I got caught flat-footed with a new salary cap. I mean, you heard plenty of cap pundits, Kevin Pelton and all the ESPN guys there saying an average NBA starter with a new salary cap this year, jumping over $100 million next year, $15 million for an average NBA starter. So actually, this is sort of an interesting way to look at it. How do you think fans and even the media, I mean, people like, I like I said, I got caught last week. You caught me red-handed. But how do you think the fans and the media will truly understand the new market when they see these players making substantially more than they've used to been seeing over the last, you know, 25 years, you you,
0: you know, know, they won't, they won't be able to understand it. You know, what? because it's hard to fathom because no one, no, we've never seen it. It's you know, it's kind of like Steph Curry. Like when you watch him play right now, but can you, we can't even imagine it. Like, where did this guy come from? We, did, we saw him three years ago. He wasn't like this. Like, he obviously he worked on his game. It just he exploded. He took a, the jump he had was huge. He he arguably went from not being an all star to arguably the best player in the NBA. <laughs> I feel he's the best player in the NBA. So when it comes to these deals, the caps going up right now. What every team will have extra $20, twenty twenty five million. They have to spend to a certain point, even if they want to save. And if they save, the following year is going up. So even if you you spend a lot this summer, you can spend a lot the next summer. So it's hard to put a number on each player's value, and at the end of the day is when these teams miss out on these stars, because there's only so many Kevin Durant, Al Holford, Dwight Howard, Every, I mean, I mean, most, more, more in the conversation of Durant and uh, Horford, ten to fifteen teams think they have a chance with them. So out of those ten to fifteen, once those two go away, there's gonna be thirteen teams that are like, man, what do I do? Okay, now I have to get the next tier. Next tier might be Dwight Howard, Nicholas Batum, Ryan Anderson. Okay, do I want to pay those guys close to max money, or do I want to get these role players between you know eight to twelve million? and save some of that money for the following year. It, 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 it's a good question. These teams are talking about it right now.
1: And one of the things I think is another thing to look at is team chemistry. I want to take the Celtics for an example. I mean, you don't have to talk about them, but on the Celtics, you got right. Isaiah Thomas. All-star making some six million dollars, Jay Crowder, Avery mm. Bradley, very productive, net-positive players uh, on the Celtics team. They'd fit on any NBA team. They're making seven, eight million bucks for the foreseeable future, and those are Boston's team leaders. So, how much of an effect, chemistry-wise, do you think that that could have on a team? Any team, if there are backups making substantially more than the player they're subbing for, or other the best players in the team. I mean, any insight in this that you'd sort of like to say?
0: I, I would say that the Eagles have to come in. Some players might be a little jealous, but you know what? That tells you about that person because you know what? Your time will come. So, Isaiah Thomas, you keep doing what you do, your time will come, and you'll make more money than them. They, it's all about timing. They hit the market at a certain time. Next year, Bradley Bill can make more money than John Wall. John will be fine because in a couple of years, you'll be making way more money than Bradley Bill. So you, 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 you can't go by that. That's what you go so You chemistry. All, all it is is these players should be like, you know what, congrats on your money. Hey, now I need to, get, now I need to stay in the gym because it's so high. So, um, yes, it could be on certain teams. I don't see that with the Boston knowing their, their, their personnel and knowing the personality of players on the floor. I don't know them personally like that. But I, I, Isaiah seems like a, free, a nice, free-flowing guy, and he understands his business.
1: Well, they got to get you here to quell any uh, issues if there are s- certain jealousy. Because, you know, it's, you mentioned it earlier, stability is there. You say, ah, your time will come in two years. You never know if an injury can happen, sort of throw things off. But do you actually kind of feel vindicated with the new cap? I know it sounds greedy, but, I mean, you guys are playing the game. You're the one who, who the fans come to see. I, I mean, I just don't. I quite think the casual observer can really quite understand how big the NBA is around the world. I mean, I know it's sort of the fourth thing here in Boston, but it's just, I mean, the amount of people that purchase the merchandise they do, the gazillion-dollar yeah. shoe industry, the countries that broadcast all these playoff games, the NBA Finals. I mean, the NBA is an absolute cash cow where execs from the league, the teams, various industries, they just freaking rake it, Jared. So kind of like now, you guys are seeing this money. Uh, comparable to what your counterparts in baseball have been getting for a long time. Is there a little bit of a you know, yeah, bout time? Yeah, I
0: I wouldn't say about time. I would say this. I mean when it comes to basketball, you know, the people before us helped grow this. The pioneers, the Jordan, stuff like that, to what it is now. They're not even we're we're making way more than than those guys did back in the day. And you see how these teams are what they're worth. Clippers selling for $2 billion. Atlanta almost makes a billion. Like, you see the value on these teams, and then you see these TV companies paying so much money for a TV deal. It's like, wow, we're blessed to be in the NBA, to be able to play the sport that we love, make a lot of money. And, yes, it feels good to be validated, like, you know what, this is what you're worth. They see our faces on an everyday basis. But I'm not someone so greedy where – before we didn't have it bad. Yes, it feels good that to see our game grow and how globally and and see what we how far we've come. Uh, but at the same time, is it's just, you, you got to be humble. You got to be level headed. Understand that hey, you know it goes up, it goes down. We had the lockout. We you know we gave stuff stuff back. It happens, and we're trying to do the best for our sport and best for our game at the same day at the same time, I won't lie to you, it's a good time to be a free agent.
1: (laughs) You have said that numerous times on numerous shows, so I'm happy that you mentioned it here, but I'm I'm still sort of sticking on this thing with how fans are going to react with so many players getting north north of 15, 20 million bucks like it's going to be nothing. I should seriously hope that you do get that, Jared, but uh, whatever you do may get, but I think one of the things that I think could be, I've always sort of kind of chuckled at is the emotional attachment that, that fans have eventually to athletes, and because of that it's almost like any professional athlete, the NBA, wherever, they're almost afraid to say in free agency that they chose Destination X because no, the money was best. So I mean the real in the real world people do that all the time i measure everything as well the situation that i'm in but if somebody respects me more i mean i kind of am one to sort of hot foot it somewhere else but in pro sports there's sort of there there's a fear of a backlash because fans develop such an emotional attachment to you guys that eventually they think that they're they're theirs and they share similar passions of you know beating the rival teams so i mean does that sort of come into the case with you or maybe is it more applicable to sort of star players go ahead
0: I, I, I would say it's, it, it's definitely more for stars. I think that they they attach to Phoenix and Nash. hated when he went to L.A. That's a You're good example. You, you know, you know Jersey they hated that. Right, right, exactly. You know, LeBron when he leaves. So what, what I'm saying to you is this: is the NBA if they if they really want that. And they don't, want, they don't want a lot of change. They want, and you know what, because that's what people grew up with. When the Lakers had their starting five, they had it for five, six years. Well, you have to make a system where they can keep all their players. And, and, and that's the case hard. now, though. That's the case now. It, it, it's the case now, but it's a case for stars. It's not the case for role players because the stars, you know, uh, um, they're, 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 they get compensated by staying because you can get an extra year. You know, for role players, it's they really it's really the same amount of money because every team has that. You know, so a player that's worth six million dollars, your team can bring you back. Well, so can that other team. So you're not getting any extra incentive. You're getting, you're getting actually the same thing. The only thing you, the only thing some teams do is have your bird rights where they can go over the cap, but it's no extra incentive. So if they have, if if they can somehow get extra incentive for players to stay, role players, and add that in there somehow. You know, if you sign back with the team, you get an extra bonus. I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm just throwing ideas out there. But there's really no extra incentive with that. So if a team says, hey, you know what, Jared, I'll pay you the same rent. But you know what? We have a starting small forward uh, um, position open for you. Where are you going to go? You know?
1: Where are we going to go, Jared? Actually, fittingly, a commercial break. Heard the music playing. So just hang in there. A few brief moments, I promise. We'll be back. Right back with you and everyone else. You're listening to Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio. Hey, this is Larry H. Russell here, critically acclaimed author and host of Celtics Beat. And I'm privileged to be joined by Daryl Conant, former U.S. Olympic Committee strength coach and one of the leading strength and condition specialists in America. Daryl, thanks so much for being here. It's great to be here, Larry. Thank you. Daryl, you're a student of the legendary bodybuilder Vince Gironda. Tell me a bit more about Vince. Vince Gironda was considered the pioneer of pure natural bodybuilding. His training methods and nutritional concepts are still being incorporated in many gyms throughout the world today, and I had the privilege myself of having him as my mentor. How can we learn more about the methods of the Iron Guru? As a student of Vince Gironda, I always wanted to give back to Vince in some way. I wrote a book entitled Invincible that depicts many of Vince's programs and nutritional
0: theories that he taught me. For more information on this book, folks can visit my website at
1: www.darylcarnett.com. Darrell, Vince had so many methods and ideas for achieving optimal health. Care to share any while we're here? One of Vince's most popular nutritional concepts was his recommendation of eating organic grass-fed beef to build muscle. Organic red meat is loaded with
0: nutrients necessary for building quality muscle. As Vince would always say to me, you must eat the type of
1: food that the muscle is made out of, red meat. Get on that path of effortless fat loss and optimal health by following the appropriate nutritional methods and get it from the country's leading organic meat brand. American Farmers Network at AmericanFarmersNetwork.com. Episode number 161 of Celtics Beat with special guest Jared Dudley is brought to you by Blue Apron. Healthy food leads to a healthy you. Blue Apron knows that when you cook with incredible ingredients, you make incredible meals. So they set the highest quality standards for their community of artisanal suppliers, family-run farms, fisheries, and ranchers. Whether it's Japanese ramen noodles, wild-caught Alaskan salmon, or heirloom tomatoes, Blue Apron is bringing you the best. For less than $10 per meal, Blue Apron delivers seasonal recipes along with pre-portioned ingredients to make delicious home-cooked meals. Check out this week's menu and get your two meals free with free shipping by going to blueapron.com slash Celtics Take it from me, you'll love how good a personally home-cooked meal by Blue Apron tastes and how affordable it is. And remember, your first Two meals are on us, and shipping is free. That's BlueApron.com slash Celticspeed. BlueApron.com slash Celticspeed. Blue Apron, a better way to cook. We're here with Jared Dudley, veteran NBA swingman, He's going to be a free agent starting in July. I want to keep sort of talking about sort of personal questions with you because that's sort of giving us a lot of insight into the every everyday NBA world. And I talked about this a little earlier in the interview, Jared, is, I mean, the affinity that you've sort of developed for the analytical community. And you were one of the original guys. What is sort of the reception to the uh, analytical stream now in the end, not just in the media, which we can get to, but teams? I mean, these guys, they're, they're all over the place. Uh, being employed by teams that watch endless amounts of film and then start accumulating various data, like original material and track you. What point was it in your career where you really became fascinated with that stuff? Was it in Phoenix?
0: It was in Phoenix when I was in the playoffs and I had the highest plus minus. Oh, 2010,
1: right? Had, Western Conference Finals?
0: Yeah, and the Western Conference Finals. I was like, wow, mine's higher than, it was higher than LeBron's. And I laughed it off. Numbers can lie, but at the same time, if it's over a course of 15 games in the playoffs at the highest position, sometimes my stats may get an average 20, but maybe I took a charge. Maybe I denied Kobe from getting the ball. Maybe I stopped Brandon Roy in the playoff. So It's little things that you don't see. And a, lot, and a huge thing is, is Draymond Green. Yes, he's an all-star now, but before he became an all-star, he's an analytic king. And you know what? It makes sense. He's not the best one-on-one player. He's not. Gonna, he can't take a franchise on his back. But when he's in the right situation, which is, is for a lot of teams, he rebounds, he defends, he makes the right play, he's on help defense in he, his rotations every single time. And that doesn't show, and that, that's not a stat. That's just knowing basketball, IQ, playing the right way. So um, players, on uh, I would say for the most part, don't like it because they get called out on it. You can average 20, but if your plus and minus are terrible, they're saying, wait, right, I got 20, or your shooting percentages. Yeah. The average 20, but you shot 38 from the field. Allen Averson would get killed in this day and age. And he's a great player, Hall of Fame. So some people can get away with it. Russell Westbrook and his shooting percentages, because he gets to the the free throw line. He puts pressure on you. So, So certain players look great and some players don't. So I think as a whole, players don't love it but they're they're understanding it more and more.
1: I was always in the impression that they did like it because I think it's done a lot to help the game. I mean, I've seen you sort of make various tweets of how much you love ball movement and I really think that all that data has really pushed the premium on ball movement back into the game because teams are able to go to certain players and say, "Listen, if we do this that and this, we have, you know, this percentage and that percentage of this happening and yay, we win." Whereas I thought for the longest time, especially in the post Jordan, the immediate post Jordan era, it became such an individual game because i thought players were having a little bit of a separation from coaches i mean it's- this was at a time when players were starting to make tens of millions of dollars and coaches, there were very few, making over like three. They were having a hard time, I thought, garnering respect from the players. You look at Rick Patino back in Boston, if you wouldn't even want to remember those days. But now I think that you see what the Spurs are doing. They're able to sell everything on their players so much because of all the data that's there. So I was actually, it's interesting that you told me that. I was actually under the impression that they enjoyed it, or at least you did.
0: Yeah, I would say role players that need ball movement enjoy it. And what I mean by that is that there's a lot of and players that's you. <laughs> in the NBA. Yes, that's myself. There's a lot of players that, for one, if I started creating all my own shots, I would score more points. I did it in Phoenix at certain times. You know, obviously I had Nash sometimes, but the year after Nash left, I didn't. Your percentages drop a little bit. It's just natural. You shoot If you shoot tougher shots, your percentage are going to go down. But when you play the Spurs style away, and even to a certain degree, the Warriors, and you make back cuts, you're moving the ball side to side, and you have unselfish stars, it makes the game easier for you, so role players want to be in that. But there's a lot of teams that don't have that, that have young guys that think about stats and scoring, that don't make the extra pass, that are looking for themselves. And you can see that if if they, instead of averaging 17, you average 14, and your assists went from two assists to three or four, you would be a better player, but some players don't realize that. So yes, maybe overall as a role players, but this is not a role player league; it's a star league. So until these other stars or the are the next tier really un- fully understand that, and and it's now then you'll see then you'll see more people lo- loving that. But they have to take responsibility for that because role players, we, we obviously we prefer ball moving and passing, that helps us out.
1: Are there any pieces of data you can rip off the top of your head to me regarding last year? Like, could you right off the bat tell me what you shot from the corner three last year, or how much distance you traveled over the season?
0: I I, I know my shot percentages from every spot on the floor, and from where I shot from. um, Teams give it to you uh, where you shot, where you need to work on. Um, I I know that uh, you know the left wing. You know I didn't shoot the ball extremely well in Milwaukee. I shot extremely well. In uh, in uh, in DC, so you work on stuff where for me it's it's going to be. I had my last two off seasons. I was hurt. I didn't get to work on my basketball game. So all this stretch four I've been doing, it just on our natural ability. I haven't been working on pick and pop. Now this summer I'm working on pick and pop, to flare from the top. All these shots that I get to shoot. Now I have a, an actual summer. Last time I had that it was in Phoenix when I got to work on summer. And with Steve Nash, shot 47 from three. So I'm curious to see where now I get to work on this stretch for these pick and pops, these trailer flare from the top of the key, which you normally wouldn't get as a three-man. Now you get to work on I'm I'm curious to see how it is going to be next year.
1: All right, I want to shift now to this. I, this came really to the top of my head a little bit. I, had, I was like I had to ask you this because you are on the media tour and I and I love it. But do you sort of place any value in I mean, I think you're really the leading player and especially in the NBA almost in all the sports really at doing this. Do you, how, do you place like a superior value in having relationships uh, with the media? I mean, not just the beat reporters or or radio hosts, but I mean, is it like you're just a, such a nice guy or do you think that there's uh, it's good to have relationships with, you know, the woges and the the Zach Lowe's, the ESPN people, and even from that, all going like right down the line.
0: It's huge if, because for athletes, they understand you need the media. I mean, you heard Barry Bonds talk about it. He just said how he was an asshole, he was this, and, and he shouldn't have done it. He could have made more money. So if he was basically a nicer guy, he would have made more money. Just Good. think about that. You're already making millions of dollars. You're already doing a sport you love, you've been dreaming to do. It. Now you're there and now you're going to be distant to the media, I'm surprised players are open up more. And if you look at all our people we admire, Muhammad Ali, Magic Johnson, the ones that even, even manning over Brady to a certain degree, because if you look at more people, right. I know Boston people might hate that, it's engaging with personality. People want to see that. Now, if, you're not, if that's not your personality, you're a shy person, we understand. But I think so many people get caught up in this media training. Don't let them in. Give them these cliche answers. I would never tell my players that. When I become a coach, maybe when I take over BC, no, you can have personalities. Now, don't be stupid with it. Don't just be talking reckless. Have your own opinions, but don't just say, you know what, both teams play hard next game. Uh, that, that's <laughs> it is not what my, it that's is. Not, it is what it is. The Belichick way, they call it. I, I'm, I'm not a Belichick way type guy.
1: And, hey, you, you mentioned all those people. I think the easiest thing he could have done was talk about Donald Trump. I mean how he won the primary solely on free media coverage and, getting, and basically getting all the positive press he possibly could, especially from Fox because he hit, he hit them. He was always on their show every single morning. He was on Fox and Friends every single morning. I think um, actually you should – you're on the free agency tour. We all, we're talking about you know, where's Jared Dudley going to sign and how much money do you got to give Jared Dudley. you got to follow up Trump on Fox and Friends tomorrow morning like 7 a.m. or something.
0: Yeah. You know what? I mean, you know what? The more you talk about it, because media looks for people that they can actually have conversations with. That it's not like, you know, that it's not like, okay, it's the same thing. So, I, I mean, I was a spokesman for the Wizards. Think about that, though. Uh, I start, I was a starter this year. Half the games. After the game, my lockers flooded. They want to know what I think because I'm gonna. Talk, I'm gonna break down the game. I'm gonna break down what we have to do. And, instead of saying, you know what, they just play harder than us. I, I hear that all the time. Sometimes they didn't play harder than you. Sometimes you didn't make an adjustment. Sometimes you were. You know. Sometimes it was this. Sometimes it was that. So I. I, I just think that people, media, yearn for that because of that. You know, like Donald Trump, as you say, he's gonna give them sound bites good or bad, and they just want to keep hearing stuff like that.
1: How many of these players, or at least you can can almost tell me this, but I mean I know you listened to my show last week, but how often do these players sort of check their Twitter notifications and browse, I mean not just what the national people are saying, but browse through the blogs and podcasts and all the other outlets of alternative media?
0: Um, I think when it's negative and it's someone a big-time writer, they're looking at it if their friends tell them but there's people I mean I don't I don't I think if it comes up in their mentions most if not all athletes look at it. I don't think they go through the search bar and type their name in and do all that. But I think players are well aware of who likes them, who doesn't like them, who talks bad, doesn't. I think they're very aware and I think they hold a grudge on it. Most people talk bad about me. When I played for the Clippers and I was hurt, it was probably my worst year in the NBA. I shouldn't have even played that year. The the Clippers fans hate me. The media the me doesn't hate me, but how, how I played and how this. So, I mean, I understand that. And you know what? I'd be the first one to tell you I played terrible. and I, I shouldn't have been out there, and, and we have our disputes about that. So, I mean, we understand. I mean, well, we're human, so I don't think people hold a grudge. I think it's when they hold a grudge – when they feel like they try to attack you on a personal level.
1: I almost feel like that. I mean, this may be – I sort of think a little outside the box a little too much, Jared. I get a little conspiracy, but I still think that there are sometimes that are teams, they get their little interns and they said, hey, go troll some of these players on Twitter or something to get them fired up for the big game. I still feel like that has to happen, but I'm going to put a sort of little (laughs) – That's pop Would you do it? You said you want to coach BC. Would you start getting one of the the team interns to uh, fire up the team a little bit by sort of – Hacking their their uh, notifications a little. Diabolical, uh, but is, worth it. Diabolical, but worth know, it. You know, college
0: is college is iffy. College, maybe NBA guys had a College is so you know they're so much younger. You know, it, it, it can it, it can uh, mess with them. I would say I I, I like the Calipari approach where. You try to give guys freedom. You know, people want to be one and dones You, you want to. I, I would get on them. I would ride them hard because I don't expect them to be there four years. Um, but at the same time, you, you gotta treat. You gotta. You gotta teach them life skills. People, you have to. Because a lot of these guys don't even graduate now. These N D Pros don't even graduate. So you got to be able to teach them in a short period of time. You know uh, how to be a man, how to be a professional, and, and it's tough. And, that, and that's why I look forward to more so than NBA, where you, you have more uh, development in them in, in, um, as a person, not just in, not just basketball.
1: You mentioned coaching a little bit earlier, making a little joke about being the coach of BC. Obviously, you're very engaged with the media. So, I mean, I made the crack last week about you hitting a tee ball on 17. So, dare I ask, uh, what are you sort of getting ready for in that post-playing career? I mean, maybe call some playoff games or coach or whatever.
0: I I think in the next couple of years, I'll be moving forward. I mean, I always do my ESPN thing. And to be honest with you, me being a family man, the ESPN thing is attractive because you, you don't have to be there all the time. I mean, they, they sign you up. They sign, When they first sign you to a contract, they say, hey, you know what, we want you to work 60 days out the year or, or 90 days. And you get to pick, you know, they hey, you know, you come out here for these four days and you're off two weeks. Come out these three days. So that's appealing. At the same time is, you know, I, I would like to be stable. Hey, you're on this team, you know, um, coaching a team. But for me, I, I have to put my time in. So I, I would say anywhere from the ESPN uh avenue to college coaching would probably be uh one of one either one of those ways and, and and that's not for sure it's something that i have to get even more involved in and do i want to put that work in as assistant to pay my dues to become ahead
1: yeah i know i talked to brent barry a lot i remember caddying for him once way back six five six years ago yeah 2010 finals I remember talking to him i want to go into coaching He signed up with NBA TV, and he's pretty much been there ever since. Uh, He's pretty much their number one guy there. But i got to wrap this up with some Celtics stuff because you you talked about it a little bit earlier, and, of course, this is a Celtics show, so they all care almost assuredly what a free agent does. You talked about this a little bit earlier, talking about how Brad Stevens, you're so impressed with – how he keeps everyone engaged, how he's able to utilize 10 guys on a team. I actually feel like you were one of his original fans. I mean, when you would play, that was, I think you were on the Bucks that year, the 14-15 season that was in Boston, started to make a little bit move. I mean, they went on the upswing a little bit. But you would pull people in the media aside and talk about how impressed you were. I mean, other than what you just said a little bit earlier that I summed up, you want to care to share anything from being on the court against him that impresses you so much?
0: Um, his X and O's at a timeout when you make a run him getting good, clean, quality shots. His um, ability to change within a game is probably the most impressive. He will go small. He will go big. He will go two-point guards. He will go any way he has. If a player not working, and I like that because he might go with Stellinger. Hey, let's bring Kelly Onlich, Let's go Kelly Olick and He's He's willing to try different lineups to find the right flow. And even if you're a backup, if you have it going and you are playing the way he wants to play, he will let you play crunch time minutes. And sometimes on most of these teams you know, it doesn't matter if you're if you if, if you got it going, they're usually gonna bring that starter back in.
1: Last question about the Celts and of this interview. You have to break this up into a tear of top destinations in the NBA. looking at this as almost not just Jared Dudley, but really just as say almost an analyst. Uh, tell me as a player, but most importantly a fair objective observer where the Celtics rank as a destination. You don't have to give numerically, but, I mean, maybe in some sort of time. I
0: I would say this. I would say it's definitely in the upper end of free agents wanting to go. I, I, I would say it depends on your position and your role. i say right now for a powerful and center, it's a very hot commodity because you have the ability to go in there and start and I, I think right now their one, two and three is pretty much set. I know unless they' got someone like Durant, um, that would be something different. but for role players, so the four and five is a real hot commodity right now for them in that position. Everyone knows they're on the up they're they're up and coming, that they're one or two moves away, uh, but that one or two they they could be in that same position for a while. It's, it's not guaranteed that you get to go up and up. Every time, you know, your personnel. I mean, they have to this, – this third pick is a big where they trade or draft. So um, I would definitely say um, Friesens are looking at Boston a lot higher now than they were a couple years ago. And that's that's a compliment to Danny Ains and Brad Stevens and what they've done.
1: Really, really quick, Boston is a city. You spent four years of your life here, lived through the winters as a San Diego kid. Is it okay to rank Boston as his place in America?
0: Easy. Boston has the best fans when it comes to all sports in the United States, Bruins, Red Sox, Celtics, Patriots, nothing like them and the Eagles. I remember looking at the BC Eagles there when I was there, they support everyone, they support you when you're not good, they support you when you're Super Bowls, and that's rare. Um, and as a city, um, it's a hard-working blue-collar type town where they you know they've been through everything and uh, they respect each other.
1: Jared Dudley, former Boston College Eagle, current nine-year NBA veteran, can follow and converse with Mr. Dudley on Twitter, at Dudley 619 Thank you so much for lending us your valuable time here on CLNS Radio.
0: Anytime. Anytime.
1: Got to get this guy in Boston, huh, for no other reason than for the media presence alone. First off, I mean, with that, he'd freaking kill it here. He'd kill it here with the media. They would love him. That, and of course, hey, as I mentioned on last week's show, the Sean Devaney episode in 160, still available in the archives on iTunes and Stitcher, if you haven't listened to that, Jared was my, and who I think the Celtics' number three target should be behind Al Horford and Ryan Anderson. Remember, I actually disqualified Kevin Durant because, duh, uh, it was just, hey, listen, I got caught a little red-handed by Jared after he listened to last week's show and hit me up. Didn't take too kindly of what I thought would take Boston Assignment. Simon. Honestly, listen. I totally have not recalibrated myself to the new cap. I'm going to admit it. I'm still not there yet entirely. And obviously my calculations were dead wrong on what it'd take for the Celtics to sign Jared Dudley. But regardless, as it Evans last week, I put him at number three. Mike Walsh, uh, one of our columnists over on CLNSRadio.com, wrote a nice piece. Want to say about a month ago now about what the Celtics need to address? Listen, we all know they need to add outside shooting that stuck out like a sore thumb in the playoff series against Atlanta. Jared does that for sure, but they need more veteran presences. They need more leadership on what is still an incredibly young team. And not just veterans of guys that have been in and around the NBA. I mean, we need good guys, right? You don't need Keith Bogans two years ago just telling the Celtics, uh, see, ya. you know, you guys don't work out for me and only me. Jared's story of when he started on Milwaukee and actually going to Jason Kidd about stepping aside for Giannis Antetokounmpo. There are examples of that type of leadership there. Actual experience as a spokesperson for the team on Washington last year. And of course, his commitment to taking a part in selfless ball and not just being a foot soldier for a coaching staff it respects. Seemingly, that here in Boston, being and saying what he has said. About Brad Stevens, not just on the show a few minutes ago, but over the years, and his vocal skills with teammates being able to carry out the coaching staff's methods, their messages, game plans. Don't think Jared can't connect with people with words. Just listen to him. Did you just listen to him here the last 40 minutes he was on? So I know there are a contingency of people that don't want to hear about a certain player's intangibles in any sport because you just can't measure them really and give them to people and go, boom, here. I mean, this is it. Remember, there was that huge backlash in the analytical community in baseball in the mid-2000s with Derek Jeter, which I just referenced there with Jared regarding that, but it is there, and it is truly something which you kind of have to just go with, with what you see and more so what you hear from people that you trust and you respect, like coaches and what they say if they go out of their way talking about certain players. And the Celtics, they need that, I tell you. They especially need it with as young as they are. When I said there may be players on this roster next year making more money than the best players like Isaiah, Crowder, Bradley, and how can you not love what you heard Dudley say about what, in a hypothetical scenario in which Boston signs him, he, as a backup, which, by the way, I guess he has no problem in being – would very likely make more money than those guys next year. So if this was Jared Dudley's unofficial official interview of his pitch to play for the 2017 Boston Celtics, don't know about you guys, but count me in. I was already sort of counted in already. As I said last week, I'd have him rank as number three of someone I would like to see the Celtics sign. But really, he'd be a great pickup. This team needs someone to spell Jay Crowder if Boston can't really add a dynamite score at the wing this summer, be it in the trade market, which I promise you we will get to. I had to push that back a week for obvious reasons. Hello. And versatile enough to be a small ball power forward and spell an injured Kelly Olenek, God forbid, because you saw Boston struggle initially when they lost both Crowder and O'Linick, both of those players to injuries at time in the second half of last year. They did not have the right players with the right skills to replace them, and Jared would be just that. And, as I said earlier, how good would he be here in Boston with the media? That's what Sean Devaney said last week. And, by the way, what he's doing now, going on this media tour, as he gets ready for free agency and pitching himself to the Celtics. Uh, On Twitter, I saw him do it with the Rockets. He's done other shows, other podcasts. Freaking genius. Absolutely genius. And he really gets it how imperative the media is fairly or unfairly they're the storytellers you win them over you essentially write your own stories your own PR and here we are Jared Dudley over this past week done shows Doug Godliebs ESPN radio affiliates hit a bunch of people up on Twitter I mean he's going on every day man talking about what he can bring to a team and thus We've got actual storylines of a Jared Dudley sweepstakes, and he has the voices openly rooting for him. Thanks for coming on. Go get him, Jared. Uh, go get your money. So it's what I'm referencing with Trump. The guy got free media coverage all over the place over this past calendar year, whether it was good or bad, dominated the election cycle, and he's going to be the next president. You think going on Fox & Friends Every single morning, 7 a.m., by phone, jacking up their ratings. You think anyone really at Fox, they're dare going to say a bad thing about him or even anyone else in some of these mainstream outlets in which he goes on? He's doing so too much for their careers, and he's being too nice to the guys. And that's, hey, I give credit for to Jared to using a similar strategy. I mean, this comparison, while it does not have the same impact on the world, can clearly learn from something like this it applies here so jared you got it from me too as i said go get your money dude i sincerely hope it's in boston because not only would he help shore up some outside shooting as the celt's have been the worst in the nba under brad stevens and of course shore up that wing position a little stretch four more defense on the wing and of course that veteran leadership got to have it the lakers i talked about this with jared when i, I when they remember they had kobe and Shaq. And yes, Kobe's development was big. But as I said with Jared, it's when they added the Robert Ory's over the years. Remember how talented they were when they had Eddie Jones, Eldon Campbell, Nick Van Exel, Glenn Rice in the late 90s. But they couldn't get it done with Dell Harris. I mean, they get swept out of the playoffs. It's it, it never really clicked there. But it was those Orys, those Brian Shaws, Rick Fox, Ron Harper bringing those guys in. You can't really concretely present it as an argument, but it was there. That evidence was there. Those guys were essential in that locker room. And if you talk to those players back then, they will say the same thing. For a younger Celtics team with maybe not a championship foundation in place, comma, yet, but many valuable young pieces and probably more to come with a number three overall pick in the draft, you need Jared Dudley's. You need those types of guys. So he'd be a great addition for that. And of course, Oh, what a continued featured guest he'd be here if Boston signs him, huh? Crossing my fingers back in five seconds. You're listening to Us Radio, home to the original Celtics podcast, Celtics Stuff Live. Thanks, Justin. Those guys have done some real good work. Well, they always do, but excellent, excellent draft analysis on that show. I have so much respect for John Duke in that capacity. Justin and John have done a great job breaking down the draft. The Celts do have the number three overall pick in the draft. You know, I've never really been able to get into it. May have to get creative next week and do a trade primer show, and a draft preview show all in one because we're kind of actually running out of time as we get closer and closer to the draft we'll see how that goes but anyways you want good quality draft talk and analysis and of course any Celtics talk those guys have really been hitting that hard definitely tune into Celtics stuff live their next episode will be released tomorrow as in Monday June 13th available on the usuals but the easiest way to listen You know how. Download the free CLNS Radio mobile app available for your iPhone and Android to be able to listen to CSL, this show, and all of CLNS Radio's great podcasts. Remember, the leading online provider of audio, video coverage of the Boston Celtics. Stay tuned to clnsradio.com for continuing draft coverage and for programming. The Garden Report will be released on the night of the draft, as well as live coverage on the CLNS Radio Facebook page. Facebook.com slash CLNS fans. Very exciting time for us here at the network. And, of course, you, me, we, us Boston Celtics fans never stops. You know with how well the team is positioned and the draft inching ever so closer. June 23rd. We're not there yet. Still got a lot to talk to and talk a lot about. A lot to break down. That I can promise you, as we had a lot to talk to today on episode number 161. So it's time to wrap it up. Music for this show was provided by Will Rock, Chuck Dietz, and Steph Lagrato. Be sure to follow us on social media. Our Twitter handle is Celtics underscore Beat. And you can like Celtics Beat on CLNS Radio on Facebook to keep up with the show at Facebook.com slash Celtics Beat. Also Google Plus, Celtics Beat on CLNS Big thanks to our guest this Sunday morning. Jared Dudley, currently of the Washington Wizards. More thanks to today's sponsors, Blue Apron and American Farmers Network. And most importantly, our audience. Thank you for making this the number one podcast on the web dedicated to the NBA's winningest franchise. For our staff writer, Eddie Santiago, the founder of the network, Nick Gelso, and myself, the executive producer and host, I'm Larry H. Russell. See you next Sunday for another edition of Celtics Beat. Powered by CLNS Radio.